This morning, we're jumping into a message in the book of Mark, and uh, this is the last gospel of the four gospels that I'm preaching through over the last four years, Um, and it it is a little bit surreal to think of the fact that that we've gone through three of these, and this will be the last one. I'm I'm actually kind of sad about that (laughs) in some ways. Uh, but I'm really excited to go through this book. And something that we've done as, as we've gone through each of these books is we've shown you a little video that introduces the whole story so that you can get an overview of everything that's going on in the gospel uh, that we're going to be looking at. And so I want to do that again this morning. So watch this video on the book of Mark.
God's love and upside-down kingdom were revealed as Jesus died for the sins of the world. And so the story ends without closure, and it forces you, the reader, to grapple with this very strange and scandalous claim about Jesus. And are you going to run away, like the women? Or are you going to recognize Jesus as your king and go and sell the good news? And only you can answer that question. And that cool you know the bible is is uh so amazing in that there's so much um connection between even just the reference to uh the the glory of god in the book of exodus and and how um how there's that that parallel there and it's just all woven together and connected in such an amazing way that you could read the bible and study it for your entire life and barely scratch the surface. It's unlike any other book. It's, it's why I get so much joy <laughs> out of studying God's word and, and preaching and teaching God's word. And one of the things that I like to do as I study scripture is when I'm studying a particular book, I like to learn a little bit about the author. And, and what's unique about the Bible is it's God's word given to us, but it's given to us through humans. You see their personality and you see a little bit, a a little glimpse of who they are in their writings as well. Even though they're writing God's words, they're writing it through through their own words. And it's it's a really unique uh, thing as as we look at scripture to see the, the gospels being told through four different authors and how different their accounts are. And I think it's beneficial for us to learn a little bit about these people who are who are writing down these incredible truths. And and one of the books that we're looking at right now is the book of Mark. And it was written by this guy, as we just learned, named John Mark. And so sometimes in scripture, you'll see him referred to as John, sometimes Mark, sometimes John Mark. Uh, And there are just a few notations of him. In fact, uh, he doesn't really appear in the book of Mark. There's one passage in Mark chapter 14 that refers to a young man uh, it, it says that when Jesus was arrested, uh, there was a young man following behind him, and the soldiers tried to grab him too. And he ran; they grabbed his robe, and he ran away naked. And there's there's a lot of speculation by scholars today that that was actually Mark just kind of putting in his little part of of the story of Jesus in there. That that was actually him in that story. We don't know that for sure. It doesn't name this young man. Um, but some feel that that was, was him. John Mark, however, does appear elsewhere in Scripture. And I want us to take a second and learn a little bit about his life this morning before we jump into the actual book of Mark. And now we can't talk about John Mark without talking about the importance of his cousin, a man named Barnabas, who was partners with the Apostle Paul, uh, who was the guy who wrote a chunk of the the New Testament. And and Paul, we're going to talk about him a little bit too. Paul has a radical conversion. When Jesus reveals himself, uh, his name was Saul at the time. Uh, I know the names are confusing, but uh, just track with me here. Saul becomes Paul. John Mark is is Mark, and Mark is John, and and John and Mark are both John Mark. So uh, if you got that all now, we're all on the same page. By the way, there's about 15 other Johns in Scripture too. So, 
Uh, but Paul has this radical, radical conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, he's on the way and he's blinded by this light and Jesus reveals himself to Paul. And uh, eventually through this process, his, his sight is restored and he tries to go to Jerusalem to meet up with the other disciples in Jerusalem who are understandably terrified of him. Because this guy has been killing Christians. He's been on a rampage to have them all killed. In fact, there's a story of Stephen in the Bible, one of the, the early followers of Christ, who was martyred. He was the first martyr in the Bible. And it says that after they stoned him, after they threw rocks at him until he died, they all came and laid their cloaks at the feet of this guy named Saul, who would eventually become Paul. This guy um, was leading the charge to kill Christians. And so now he's had this radical conversion and he comes to Jerusalem to meet with the disciples. They're like, I know this. This guy is, is pulling a scam right now. He's going to figure out where we are and who we are and he's going to have us all killed. And that's a completely reasonable conclusion to come to. Um, but Barnabas had seen the transformation that had happened in Paul's life. He'd seen him preaching the gospel in the city of Damascus and how God had got a hold of his heart. And so he met up with Paul, and he took him to see the other disciples. Now everybody's mad at Barnabas, right? <laughs> no, but, but they see that this conversion is real, that Paul's heart has changed, that, uh, that he's made this decision to follow Christ. And so Paul and Barnabas become partners, and they're working out of this city called Antioch, and they're teaching and training new Christians and then there's this, this prophetic word that was given that there was going to be this great famine. And so the disciples decide to send relief to their brothers in Jerusalem using Paul and Barnabas to do that. And so they are on this mission. And at the end of Acts chapter 12, Paul and Bar Barnabas are heading back to Antioch. And let's read what it says in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. It says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem... When they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. All right, so that's the first reference to this young man named John Mark, assuming that it wasn't him in the book of Mark. And at the, at the beginning of chapter 13, the Holy Spirit tells the church leaders that Paul and Barnabas were to be sent out for a work that the Holy Spirit had called them to. Um, now, sometimes in the church, as, as we hear from the Lord, um, we're pretty cautious with the way that we communicate that to other people, right? We say, I, I feel like the Lord is telling me to do this. Um, the biblical authors were not that timid in their declaration of what God has called them to do. It says, the Holy Spirit told the church, Paul and Barnabas are to go. And so they had a prayer meeting, and, and they gathered together, they fasted and prayed, and they laid hands on them. And this is a pattern that's something, I shared a little bit about this last week, that's something that happened in the early church, that whenever they had a big decision to make, whenever they were going to enter into a new um, phase of ministry, they would gather everybody together, and they would fast and pray together. Maybe we should follow that pattern as a church, just a thought, right? Like, this is something that, that we should do in our church and in the church in the United States and in the church around the world, fasting and praying is something that should be the foundation of, of any ministry or anything that's launched. And, and that's what the, the early disciples were doing. 
And in Acts 13, uh, verse 4 to 5, it talks about that. It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John, John Mark, to assist them. Now, while they were down in Cyprus, they had this weird encounter uh, with this Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus. Now, he wasn't actually Jesus' son, uh, but uh, it describes him as a magician or a sorcerer in some translations. And then there's this other magician um, named Elymas. Now, not like a magician like David Copperfield, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> like a, a sorcerer maybe would be a, a more descriptive word to um, talk about. This, this was a guy who was interacting with demonic forces, who was um, uh, encountering evil things um, to, to impress people or to, to use that as magic. And they experienced um, a conversion in this moment of this guy named Sergius Paulus, who was this important guy um, in the town or in the city of Cyprus. But apparently, this whole experience was a little bit too much for John Mark. Maybe some of you have been in this boat before, like you've, you've gone through something, you're like, you're excited to follow Jesus, he's called you to something, and as you begin to pursue that ministry, or as you begin to walk in that, that path that God has called you to, um, you realize that, that sometimes following Christ is like trying to drink through a fire hose. Right? It's, it's overwhelming. It's a lot. Like Sometimes we walk into things and we're like, okay, God, I know you called me to do this, but I had no idea that this is what you called me to do. And I had no idea it was going to be this hard and this challenging. And John Mark, it seems like he had one of those moments as they were in Cyprus, and he's like, guys, I love you, but I'm out of here. This is too much for me. So chapter 13 uh, we're going to jump down to verse 13. It says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now, Paul and Barnabas continued on, and they had a great ministry together. And, and you read about it in the next couple of chapters, in, verse, in chapter 13 and chapter 14. And even uh, for the first part of chapter 15, there are some incredible things that happened as, as Paul and Barnabas ministered together. They were great partners. They worked really well together, and God used them in an incredible way as they started planting churches. And they were successful in launching several churches in several different cities where the gospel had never been preached before. And uh, in verse 36 of chapter 15, this is where we're going to focus most of our time this morning. It says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and let's see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone to with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Now, I know you're thinking, 
church people never disagree or don't get along with each other. Like, these are Christians, like, and they're godly men. Like, this shouldn't happen, right? Like, nobody would ever have that sort of disagreement. But here's two of, of the most important leaders in the church, and they're disagreeing, and they're, they're essentially fighting in this moment. So there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, first of all, I want us to learn a couple of things from this story, both from John Mark and from Paul and Barnabas as well. Here's the first one. I, I want you to hear this this morning. I'm going to use a word that's very prevalent in our culture right now. And, and this first truth that I want us to learn from Scripture is that God doesn't want to cancel you for your mistakes. All right? Uh, right now in our world, um, we live in a world where things are starting to be recorded and starting to be kept track of uh, through a long period of time. And when a figure arises to prominence, whether it be, they become a celebrity or a politician or a leader in some form or fashion, um, the first thing that everybody does who disagrees with them is, is to go back through maybe uh, what they've written on Twitter or what they've, um, what they've said in the past that's been recorded on video or, or whatever it might be, something that was written down, and um, they'll use that to ultimately assail their character and mistakes that they've made in the past or things that they said that could even be perceived to be mistakes are used against them in order to to cancel them and this has become a term that we're all familiar with that we hear about all the time in fact you'll hear the phrase cancel culture a lot in our world today um, and the problem with that idea is that it doesn't take into account repentance and forgiveness and the grace of God. And we as Christians, uh, we believe that those things are possible, that God redeems that which was broken, that he heals that which was, was, um, was wrong or, or hurtful, and he makes us into new creations, that he takes the things that we've done in the past and that he forgives us of our sins and makes us righteous. But our world today, they don't forget as easily as God. Now, it, it seems funny to say that because it's not that something is wrong with God's memory, but it says that he does take our sins and removes them from us, that, that he casts them into a sea of forgetfulness. But we as people, we don't necessarily want to do that. And so sometimes, even within the church, when people make mistakes, we tend to hold grudges. We tend to hold it against them and when something comes up where somebody makes a mistake, um, we write them off, potentially. Now, I'm not saying that actions don't have consequences. Listen, if, if you're a sex offender, we're not going to put you in our kids' ministry. Sorry, it's not going to happen. And, and it's not that God can't forgive that, but it's that, that actions have consequences. But for crying out loud, can we remember for a second that we're all broken and sinful people? Can we do that? Can we remember that we are all saved by the incredible grace of God? And without his forgiveness, and without his mercy, and without his grace, 
we have nothing to brag about. And because God has done that for us, then we should extend that same grace to others as well. And there are people in our lives that are so easy to write off because of mistakes that they've made or that they continue to make. And God still wants to use that person, but they need somebody to come alongside them, to put an arm around their shoulder, and to help mentor them through that process. And that's the second thing I want to mention this morning is that the church needs people like Barnabas. Church needs people like Barnabas. Mark had a reputation of a deserter. Uh, why? Because he deserved that reputation, right? Like he had an opportunity. He was with Paul and Barnabas. He was right in the middle of maybe one of the most exciting moments in history. And he's like, guys, I just, I can't handle it. I'm out of here. He wasn't fully aware of the significance of his mission, and he wasn't willing to risk it. Um, and, and Paul looked at that situation, and he thought, listen, I'm going on to do the next thing. It's going to get even harder as I go, as, as persecution increases, as things change in the world around him. Um, there was a, a change in emperors during the ministry of Paul, and, and the hardship increased as this man Nero became um, the, the one that was, was in power, and, and he started persecuting the early church in a very severe way. And Paul's looking at the reputation of John Mark, and he's saying, listen, I can't risk this again. I'm not going on with this guy. But we need people like Barnabas that are willing to take a chance on somebody like John Mark. Now, I want to make the point here that Paul wasn't necessarily wrong about the argument that he made. Now, maybe um, you could even look at this passage and say both of them were right. Maybe Paul was wrong. I, you know, I don't know. It, depending on, on how you look at it. But he certainly had a reason for arguing what he argued. Maybe Paul's mission was too urgent to work with somebody who wasn't ready for that level of commitment yet. But that doesn't mean that John Mark didn't have value to God. And Barnabas saw that. This is why we need people who are willing to be Barnabases, who are willing to be patient, who are willing... To... Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. You know, I think we can all think about people in our lives uh, that are encouraging. I have a friend, um, his, his name's Jeff Grinnell. Uh, he's preached here before. Um, and, and one of the things that, that you'll notice about Jeff is if you spend five minutes with him, he's going to spend four of those minutes encouraging you in some way. And that's just, that just is the type of person he is. I don't know if he means half the things that he says, but listen, you feel good about yourself when you have a conversation with Jeff. That's, that's just um, the, the way that, that he is. That's part of uh, the, the personality that, that he's developed over time. And we all need people with that, like that in our lives, that um, when you spend time with them, they just, they just tell you how wonderful you are, right? They encourage you. They, they lift you up. Um, those kind of people are invaluable in the kingdom of God. Uh, that's the kind of person that I strive to be. Um, there's a moment for confronting things in people's lives, but you don't need confrontation all the time. 
right? And if all you ever hear from somebody else is how you can be better, uh, or the, if they're constantly pointing out the mistakes that you make, how many know you're going to avoid those people, right? You're going to keep your distance. And it's not that you never want to hear the truth, and it's not that you never want to be confronted with something when you're going through something hard, but, but you also need people that are going to just say, hey, I love you. You're doing a great job. Right? God's using you in an incredible way. I see his hand in your life. Um, those kind of people are so important to the church. And I love that Barnabas was patient with John Mark. Now notice something. He didn't chase him when he left. Right? When John Mark said, I'm going, Barnabas didn't say, okay, I'll go with you. No, he said, I'm going to stay and continue the work that God has called me to. But when John Mark had that moment where he was ready to come back, Barnabas said it, come on, come on, come with me. And God uses people like Barnabas. The last thing I want to point out is that God can restore broken relationships. Now, Mark and Paul didn't necessarily um, have this great um, moment in Scripture where it kind of describes their their reunification, but I believe that it happened. And here's why. If you, you read in some of Paul's writings later on in Scripture, in Colossians chapter 4, he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, Paul probably wouldn't have said that at the moment that, that he and Barnabas split up. But something had happened in Mark that he had seen the fruit of God's work in his life and he had seen how he had, had transformed. And he said, hey, when this guy comes to visit, you welcome him. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, this is even a more powerful statement. It says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. He's talking to Timothy. For he is very useful to me for ministry. Something happened from between that moment where Paul and Barnabas had that argument to when he's writing these letters. He's seen the change in Mark, and now when he's in prison, he's calling on Mark to step into this role and sends him to Timothy, who ends up being the person that, that Paul ultimately mentored instead of Mark. Now, as we close today, maybe you're feeling a little bit like John Mark today. Maybe you're feeling like you let God down in the past. And if you're willing, God wants to restore that call that he's placed on your life. But you have to be willing to say, okay, God, I've failed in the past. I'm acknowledging that, but I want you to use me. And God can take that and he can do something new in your life. Or maybe... God's speaking to you today through the story, through the life of Barnabas, saying, listen, I want to use you in that way. I want you to be an encourager. I want you to be someone who is willing to put your arm around somebody who's struggling. and Walk with them and help them in this journey that they have with me. Or maybe God is calling you to bring restoration to a relationship like ultimately Paul had with John Mark. Maybe there's somebody that's, that's 
hurt you in the past or that's let you down or that's disappointed you. And God's done a work in their life and, and maybe he's calling you to, to reach out to that person and to bring restoration to a relationship that was broken. I'm going to ask for a response this morning. And uh, I'm going to just ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. And if you are, are feeling like you're relating to John Mark this morning, that God has called you to some things and you're, you're feeling like you've let him down or you've disappointed him in some way. And God is calling you to renew that commitment and say, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you this morning. Just an act of humility and acknowledging that this morning. Would you just raise up a hand? I just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody that's here that would say, that's me today? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the... There are a few hands that are raised. And then I also want to just pray for those who are feeling a call to be a Barnabas today. And if that, that word resonated with your heart this morning, would you acknowledge that by just raising your hand and saying, hey, yeah, God is calling me to do that today. Yeah, thank you. Here's what I'm going to do in this as we close this morning. If you're feeling uh, like you're a, you're a John Mark today and you're struggling with with feeling like, like you've let down God in some way, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith today. And if that's you, I'm going to ask that as, as uh, we close this morning, that you would just say, yeah, God, I want to just acknowledge that, and I, want, I, I need that accountability, and I need that encouragement. And if that's you in this place, and you're feeling like, like you're willing to do this, would you just stand where you're at? I just want to... Take a moment and find some people to stand with you and encourage you. And so if you're feeling that bold, there are several people that raise their hand. If you want to do that, would you just stand in this place? And as uh, those of you who, who raised your hand saying, I want to be a Barnabas, would you go and just stand alongside somebody who's standing today as we all stand together? Let's stand in this place. And um, if you see somebody that's standing, just go and find them. And we're going to pray for them right now. Just put an arm around their shoulder if, if you're standing with them. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you can use us in our brokenness. That you call us in our failures and in our shame. And you bring restoration. So Lord, as, as we're standing with those that are feeling that this morning, Lord, what an incredible step of faith to acknowledge that, Lord, in this moment. But I pray that you would honor that today. Lord, with an encouraging word by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would speak to their heart today. Lord, we thank you that you don't cancel us, that you don't leave us in our brokenness. But Lord, that you call us out of that and give us new opportunities and new moments to serve you. 
and to follow you. So Lord, we pray today um, that you would um, use us in an incredible way. God, whatever you've called us to do, Lord, that we would be faithful in those moments. And Lord, I pray for those who said, yeah, I want to be a Barnabas today. God, help us to just be faithful in that calling, that we would be encouragers, Lord, that we would always look for an opportunity to speak life into someone. And Lord, that, uh, that we would just um, be that kind of servant in your church. Lord, I thank you for the encouragers in my life. Lord, help me to be that way. Help me to find people um, that need to hear a, a word of encouragement, Lord, and give me the right words to say so that I can lift them up as well. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We love you.